Hey guys, welcome to the weekly podcast of Encounter Church, Sedalia, Missouri. It's our prayer that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your life. If you want more information about Encounter Church, please go to our website, encounterchurch.ag. Thanks again. Enjoy the message. I'm excited about today because we are in the midst of a study of the book of Philippians, one of my favorite books of the Bible. Periodically, I'll just, I'll just take some time and I'll take a day or two and I'll read through the entire book of Philippians. Why? Because I love what Paul has to say to the church of Philippi. He's sharing with them that no matter what you experience in life, and how many of you know right now, every day is a no matter what. Because we don't know what each day is going to hold. During this COVID season, it's like every day is a brand new journey. Every day is the first day we've been alive because we are learning something new or challenged by something new or presented by something new or experiencing something new almost every day. And if that's not you, then you need to crawl out from the hole that you've been hiding in. Because this place is crazy. This world is absolutely crazy. So I love reading the book of Philippians. I love hearing Paul's heart as he challenges the church of Philippi. He says, no matter what you experience, no matter what you go through, no matter what you're faced with in life, you have a choice of how you're going to respond. Amen? So this morning, we're going to continue in a series. In fact, we're in week two of this series that we're going to hang out in for about 13 weeks. I shared with you a couple weeks ago that that's really a lengthy series for us. If you're new to Encounter Church, typically our series run about four, five, six, maybe seven weeks on a series that we we really dive into. But I felt that in the book of Philippians, we needed to take time not to skim over, but to process through. So in fact, this is week two, and we're just going to verse 12. We're starting on verse 12, so we're not getting very far into this, because I don't want to miss a single thing of what God's Word has to say to us in this season of uncertainty, this season of fear, this season of struggle, this season of disunity, and even strife. So I want to take some time, and I want to discover what does Paul have to say, not only to the church in Philippi, but what does he have to say to the church in Sedalia? What's he have to say to encounter church? What does he have to say to us in this time of uncertainty that we're experiencing in life? Now, two weeks ago, as we launched this series, we looked at the opening portion, um, basically Paul's opening remarks, if you would, to the church of Philippi. And he shared with them, he says, guys, here's the deal. I am praying for you. And do you remember what we talked about? He didn't pray that they would be rich, that they'd be healthy, that they'd be protected from all the struggles of life. He prayed that they, the love of God would overflow in them. He prayed that they would grow in knowledge and understanding. He prayed that their lives would always bring glory to God. I don't know about you, The fleshly side of me wants somebody to pray that I'll always be healthy. The fleshly side of me wants somebody to pray that I'll be protected from problems and difficulty and I'll I'll not face them. The, The fleshly side of me wants to be 
cuddled and coddled and all of these things wrapped around, but really what we need is the prayer that Paul prayed for the church of Philippi, that we would continue to be the voice, that we would continue to be the hope, that we would continue to be the light that God's called us to be, that the love of God, after all, the Bible says that, that we are to love God with all that we are, but to love our neighbor as ourselves. So that same love that, that Jesus said is the most important commandment that there is, that that love will so radiate in our hearts that it's displayed and presented to the world around us. I'm just going to tell you up front, I'm not prophetic, but I'm telling you, it's coming a time when you're going to have to work hard to allow that love to be displayed. Amen. You're confused. Turn on social media. Turn on the news. There's a huge split in our society, in our culture right now. Even during all of this COVID stuff, to wear a mask or not to wear a mask, that is the question. Right? Is, is it the right thing? Is it the wrong thing to take a vaccine, to not take a vaccine, to do this or not do this? Everywhere you look, there's discrepancy, and no matter what decision you make, somebody's going to be offended, somebody's going to be upset, somebody's not going to like the path that you take. But can I just tell you, church, listen carefully, that's the starting point. It's coming to a place when we continue as a church to be the church, and we continue to be the voice, and we continue to share the good news of Christ, they're not going to like that. I read the other day that Bibles are being burnt. Churches are being destroyed. Don't think just because we're here in the Bible Belt, don't think just because we're here in Sedea, a town of 20,000 people, that we're okay, that it'll never happen here. Don't be naive. But we must work hard. We must work hard to allow the love of God to overflow in our hearts and in our lives, to allow the knowledge, the good news of Jesus to be in place inside of us so that no matter where we go, no matter what we say, no matter what we do, that He will be displayed to the world. But how can we display Him if we don't know His Word? By the way, this is all free because none of this is in my notes. I mean, just those three little points of recap in prayer, one, two, and three, those are there, but the rest of this is not. So this is for you this morning. We've got to take time to hide the word of God in our hearts. If we're really going to be his representative, if we're really going to be more than Christian in term only, Oh, I know a lot of those. Well, I go to church, haven't been there for about eight years, but I go there. <laughs> but can I also say that just because you come to church doesn't make you a Christian? Amen. Any more than sitting in the garage makes you a tire. Yeah. Or going to McDonald's makes you a Happy Meal. Some of you will grab that later. It'll sink in for just a little bit. But we've got to be determined we've got to be diligent young people some of you are heading off to college some of you are going to be facing new adventures in life man you're going to be confronted with some things that you have never experienced before you're going to be forced to make some decisions that you haven't made before you've relied upon mom and dad to make 
Make them under the leadership and the guidance of the Word of God. Mom and dad, lead strong. It's not easy. Parenting's hard. Can I just be honest with you? I'm going to have two kids in college this year. I know you're surprised. You thought, I thought your kids were in kindergarten. No, my kids have grown up. Two kids in college this year. Parenting has been hard. I, I don't know what part's the hardest. Because it seems like every journey, you're like, man, this is the hardest. Nope, nope, this is the hardest. Nope, nope, this is the hardest. Next week, I drop my baby girl off at college. I'm going to cry next week. I'm just telling you up front. But we've got to lead strong. During, in this time of uncertainty, when the world is throwing all sorts of things our direction, we've got to hide the Word of God in our life. Spend time in the Word. Let that knowledge grow in you. Now, today, I've got to move forward. I've, I've got to move forward. I want to look at beginning verse 12 of Philippians chapter 1. And here's what Paul says. He says, I want you to know. Paul's talking to you today. I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, that everything, look at your neighbor, say everything. Everything everything that has happened to me here has helped spread the good news. Do you remember what's happened to Paul? He sat in prison. He's been falsely accused. He's been on a ship heading for execution. He's been shipwrecked. He's been bitten by a snake. He's been um, strapped to guards on either side 24 hours a day, a brand new guard every four hours. Life hasn't been the easiest, yet here in verse 12, he says, I want you to know something. Everything that's happened to me Everything that I've experienced thus far has aided in spreading the good news. What is the good news? That Jesus Christ has come so that we might have life and life everlasting. Paul said God uses situations, unlikely situations, to further the good news of Christ He looked at his imprisonment as an opportunity to promote the good news of Jesus. Now, in verse 12, it says, everything that has happened to me here has helped spread. Now, that term or phrase, helped spread, means a pioneer advance. Let me explain what that means. That's a Greek military phrase referring to an army engineer who goes before the troops to open the way into new territory. Let that sink in just for a moment. Paul says, everything that's happened to me thus far, everything that I'm experiencing, including the chains that I'm currently in, everything that I've gone through has helped me to advance the good news, has helped me to go into territory that hasn't prior been processed through or opened up or no one has really gone into yet it's given new opportunities for the advancement of jesus christ paul found himself in prison for the cause of christ but he discovered that his circumstances really opened new areas of ministry to a lost society could it be that this season of difficulty that we're facing globally could it be that 
This is an opportunity for the advancement of the good news of Jesus Christ. Could it be that we, the Christian, we, the believer, need to stop just sitting back, passively watching the world pass us by? Could it be that now is our moment to seize the opportunity? Now is our time to pioneer advance, to move into uncharted territory. You see, sometimes God uses strange tools in order to share the message of Jesus. Did you know that God desires that we continue to reach the world for Him? We are His mouthpiece of hope. That's Encounter Church's word for the year. That was our word prior to COVID. It's our, word, it's our word in the midst of COVID. God gave us that word in the fall of last year, prepping us for this season. Hope is what we're standing upon. Hope is our foundation, and it, it's our opportunity. Now is our time to share that hope with the world. So very quickly this morning, I want to share with you three tools that Paul uses to reach the lost. In other words, three things that Paul has in his toolkits, not necessarily the, the things you would think of. You would think, well, we're going to talk about Paul's zeal for the world. No, that's not what we're going to talk about. Oh, we're going to talk about Paul's knowledge. Paul was very educated. He, he knew, no, we're not going to talk about Paul's knowledge. We're going to talk about the unlikely tools because I would venture to say there's a, a myriad of you in the room today that in your mind you've discounted yourself because you're thinking well my tool is not the proper type of tool it's not the kind of tool that I need in order to be used by God but I want you to know today that God uses the unlikely tool so three tools that Paul uses number one Paul's chains God looked at this opportunity. He saw Paul in chains, and he said, this is an opportunity to advance the kingdom of God. In verse 12, once again, it said, everything has happened to me here has helped spread the good news. Now, here's the interesting thing. Little did the Roman soldiers know. Little did the Roman authorities realize. But the chains which they placed upon Paul's wrist would release him rather than bind him. Let that sink in just for a moment. Think about this. The chains that they placed on Paul, changing the guard every four hours, chained to them 24 hours a day, these chains which they meant to bind him, thinking if we can just hold him back, he won't advance the kingdom any longer. If we can just keep him still for a little longer, maybe, just maybe, he'll stop talking about Jesus. But these same chains that they thought would bind Paul really released him. So it got me thinking. What about us? Have we, you, me, all of us, 
Have we allowed the chains in our lives to bind us or release us for the kingdom of God? What about you? I don't know what the chains are that that you've been bound with. Maybe it's a a physical condition, a, a relational issue, a lack of a job, COVID, whatever it happens to be, whatever that chain is, have you allowed that to release you or does it bind you and keep you from achieving what God desires. Well, Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 9, he's writing to young Timothy here, and he says, the word of God cannot be chained. Again, that would have been a great place to say amen, and I was going to give you the little verbal thing again. Amen. But the word of God, thank you. That was really close. <laughs> the word of God cannot be chained. Why? Because it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It, It cuts through. So I wonder, have you allowed the chains in your life to bind you or to release you? Because Satan will do everything he can. Now, be careful though. Do not give Satan more credit than he deserves. I think as a Christian, we revert to that way too often. Well, the devil made me do it. No, you did it. You have a choice to make. The devil can't make you do anything. We give him way too much credit. But Satan would desire, he would long to have those chains that are binding you right now. He would love to make those and keep you down with those just like he desired with Paul. But the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, and many of you in the room could probably quote this scripture with me, it says, and we know that God causes what? Everything. Maybe you can't quote it. Never mind. <laughs> and we know that God causes, say it with me, everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. God takes everything, the things that Satan meant to bind us, he takes everything, the things that Satan meant to hold us back, and he causes them to turn around for something good. Paul could have moaned, he could have groaned, he could have whimpered, why am I shipwrecked? Why did I have to wait out the winter here? Why was I bitten by a snake? Why do I have to be chained to these smelly guards? Why do I have to experience all of this? He could have chosen to moan and groan, but he chose to allow his attitude to reflect what God was trying to do. Listen carefully. He chose to venture into a new work for God. There are those of us in the room today, there are those of us that are watching online right now that need to change the mindset that we have. We need to change our focus before we can ever see what God has in store. Paul could have sat in jail. He could have sat chained to guards. He could have been 
uh, there with the snake biting him in the moment. He could have been shipwrecked in that moment, and he could have said, oh, it's all over. There's no more hope. There's nothing more I can do. Surely I'll just die. He could have done that. But he knew that there was a greater purpose. He knew that there was something that God wanted to accomplish. Imagine being one of the jailers chained to Paul. This zealous, excited man for God. He was a a man of prayer, praying continuously. We know that because we read his, his writings and he says, man, I'm praying for you always. I'm praying for you all the time. Continuously, I pray that God would do this and that in your life. He's a man of prayer. He talked to everybody about his relationship with God. He's writing encouraging words to fellow believers. So I can imagine it didn't take very long until the jailers themselves began to believe in the good news of Christ. Here's the interesting thing. This is not something that Paul could have accomplished on the outside. Think about that. The lives of the people that he's chained to 24 hours a day, and while they're chained to him for each four-hour segments, He's talking about Jesus. He's like, hey, how's your day going? Well, I want to tell you, man, here I am. I'm hanging out with you guys, but man, did you know that Jesus loves you? And for the next four hours, it's dialogue of what Jesus has done in his life. He began to tell them about his experience walking down the road to Damascus. Paul was once named Saul, and Saul was was a persecutor of Christians. He was doing everything. He would have been one of the guys that would have walked into a church and drug you out just because you claimed to be a Christian. But let me remind you of Paul's life change. He was met on the road traveling to Damascus, and suddenly a light shines from heaven, and suddenly from heaven, God calls out, Paul, or sorry, Saul, Saul. Could you imagine that? You're you're walking down Main Street here in town, and and suddenly you're going to Ozark Coffee, right? Let's pause for a moment. You're walking down, you're going to Ozark Coffee, and suddenly a light shines right down the middle of Ohio streets, and God calls out your name. For Saul, he said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Blindness went over Paul's eyes, God began to do a change in his heart. So you can imagine for the four-hour span, he's sharing this story with the guards. He's like, man, I'm telling you, I was once zealous against these guys, but this is the real deal. This guy is legit. He is God Almighty. He's a creator of the world. He sent Jesus to die on the cross for you. Why? Because he loves you. Could you imagine being one of these guards. Philippians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14 says this, for everyone here, Paul's talking about those around him, including all the soldiers in the palace guard, know that I am in chains because of Christ. Right? I doubt very seriously there was a single person in that entire area that hadn't heard Paul's story. 
And because of my imprisonment, because of the chains, because of this moment, because of this pioneer advance opportunity, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak. Look at your neighbor and say, boldly speak God's message without fear. Because of what Paul was going through, not only were the lost chains, but the believers were encouraged. And then he says, and the believers, they've gained a confidence and they boldly speak God's message. Now, many of us would say, well, he must mean that they preach, that, that they're called into ministry and they go before people and they preach the word of God. That's not what Paul's talking about. He's talking about everyday conversation. Every day as they're going to the workplace, as they're going to the grocery store, as they're out and about throughout the community, no matter where they go, just in casual conversation, they begin to share the good news of Jesus. And I wonder, what about us? What are the effects of our conversation? What effect are our circumstances or our chains having on the environments around us? What message is being presented? What word are we sharing? Is it hope? Is it change? Is it the good news of Jesus Christ? Or is it doom, despair, and agony? Are we moaning and groaning? Have our chains bound us or have our chains released us to share the good news? In other words, are our people strengthened in their walk with God because of the words you speak? Ask yourself that question this morning. What effects is your life having on those around you? See, for Paul... The first result was this. Yes, the tool was his chains, but the result is this. Jesus was made known. Paul said, I believe that everyone around me, everyone in this area, including the palace guards, they all know of my love for Jesus Christ. What effect do your tools have on your life. Tool number two, Paul's critics. Anybody in the house have any critics? Anyone? Anyone? Bueller? Anyone? At this point in time, there was a lot of disagreement going on among the church in Paul's circle. Who favored Paul? Who was against Paul? Everybody had their opinion. I bet Paul is happy they didn't have Facebook. But look what he says in verse 15 through 17. It's true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry, but others preach about Christ with pure motives. They preach because they love me, for they know I have been appointed to defend the good news. Those others do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerity not sincerely, intending to make my chains more painful to me. There was a battle 
raging. Yet, yet Paul realized that something had to be done. He was not about to sit back and, and watch the world around him crumble. We have that opportunity now because we even see division going on. Our, as a society, our society, there's a war a raging, raging all around us. I wonder, what are we doing to make an impact? What are we doing to make a difference for the cause of Christ? Now remember, Paul said in verse 16, the, the latter portion, for they know I've been appointed to defend the good news. Guess what, folks? We have been appointed to defend the good news. We are Christ ambassadors. We are Christ representatives. We have been appointed to defend the very word of God. All that Paul was concerned about in this moment was that the message, the true message of Christ was proclaimed. Criticism is usually very hard to take, especially when times are tough. Because somebody is going to be upset with you. Not everyone's going to like the choices you make. I read the other day on a pastor's page on Facebook, they were trying to encourage the pastor to say, Pastor, if you want to please everybody, if you want everybody to be happy with you all the time, don't be a pastor, sell ice cream. And I thought, that's good. I need some ice cream. <laughs> right? We're not always going to make everybody happy. Somebody is going to be displeased by something that you do somewhere along the line. So what do we do with those things? Paul says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 19, For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. So there were two sides of the deliverance that Paul was believing in. He said, I really know, I know that I know that I know that this will turn around for my deliverance. But there's two things, there's two keys that will unlock that deliverance. Number one, the prayer of fellow Christians. Let me ask you, are you praying for one another? If you're not, will you start? We need the prayer for one another. And these aren't just my words. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayer for, say it with me, all believers everywhere. We must be persistent in our prayers for one another. Call one another out by name. If you don't know their name, say, God, I pray that you'll bless the lady that sits on the opposite side of the room. God, I don't know her name right now, but she's got the, the kind of the, the bob cut hair. You know, it's kind of, God knows who you're talking about. God knows who you're talking about. Pray for one another. Secondly, the supply of the Holy Spirit. As a believer, as a Christian, we are to be led by the Spirit. If we're not led by the Spirit, guess what? We're being led by the flesh. There's our choice, the Spirit or the flesh. 
We need the supply of the Holy Spirit. The word supply here is where we, um, it comes from the, where our word chorus. Let me say that again. The word supply gives us our English word chorus. Now let me explain this a little bit. Whenever a Greek city was going to have a special festival, a special event, somebody would have to pay the singers and the dancers. Now the donation, the money that was given to the singers or the dancer had to be an elaborate gift. So this word, supply, it came to mean to provide generously or lavishly. I want you to know that the supply that the Holy Spirit offers to you today is not a a dwindling supply. It's not scrape the bottom of the barrel supply, but it's a genuine, uh, a genuine, generous, lavish offering that he wants to pour into your life. We need the prayer of the fellow believer. We need the supply, the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And the result for Paul of his critics, Jesus was preached. That was Paul's heart. That's what he desired. He says in verse 18, whether their motives are false or genuine, the message about Christ is being preached either way. So I rejoice. And I will continue to rejoice. He says, I don't know for sure what the motive is in their heart. I have an inkling, I have an idea But I don't know for sure what their motive is, but here's what I do know. The message of Jesus Christ is being presented. Lives are being changed. Hearts are being transformed. And I wonder, I wonder by what you offer in your life, by what you present to the world around you, Our lives being changed is the message being preached. And finally, tool number three, Paul's crisis. Paul's crisis. Now, Paul's outcome here could have gone either way. He could have been deemed a traitor to Rome and executed, or he could have been set free. But to Paul, that was not the real issue at all. And Martha, if you could come. You see, he understood that he was not doing this on his own. His only desire was to glorify God, to magnify God with every move, to magnify Jesus Christ. And that got me thinking, does Jesus need to be magnified? Does he really need to be magnified? After all, how can we, mere humans, mere people, how can we magnify the Son of God? How can we magnify the one that was the perfect sacrifice for every one of us? How can we magnify the one that changed everything in a moment for us? Then I started thinking a little more, and I thought, well, a star in the sky is much bigger than the telescope. It doesn't appear that way because it's in the sky, but realistically, it's much, much bigger than the little telescope, regardless how big that telescope is. Yet the telescope can magnify it and bring it closer. 
to sight. The, the believer's body, our lives, must be the telescope that bring Jesus close, that bring Jesus to life for people around us. As the unsaved watch the believer go through crisis, they can see that Jesus is magnified and, and brought much closer, just like the telescope brings distinct things closer, the, the moon, the stars, whatever it happens to be. We are to be a, a telescope for Jesus Christ. Paul was not afraid of life. He wasn't afraid of death. Either way, he simply wanted to magnify Jesus. Paul confessed that he was facing difficult decisions. For him, he said, to live is really necessary because that way he can help the church of Philippi. But then he also said, but for me to die is even better because that means that I'm in, in the presence of God Almighty for all eternity. Now, verse 20 says, I fully expect and I hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ whether I live or die. Man, what a guy Paul was. He said, it doesn't matter really what happens, guys. I know you've been hanging out with me for three hours and 45 minutes. I got 15 more minutes with you. It really doesn't matter what you do to me. Whether I live or die, I'd rather live because that way I can, I, I can help out the church of Philippi. But if I die, well, that's even better because then I'm with God. But then we read in Romans that Paul says, I love people so much that I'm willing to go to hell for them. Did you know he said that? Romans chapter 9, verse 3, he says, I would be willing to forever, be forever cursed, cut off from Christ, if that would save them. Wow. He says, I would willing forever to be separated from God. God would just come to know him. The thing that excites us, the thing that motivates us, is the thing that really is life to us. For me to live is, Paul says, for me to live is Christ. For me to live, every step that I take is going to ooze who he is. But for me to die, for me to be separated from this body, Wow, that's eternity with him. That's gain. That's even better. What about you? How would you have finished that statement? For me to live is what? For me to die is Maybe you'll say, for me to live is money, but to die is to leave it all behind. For me to live is fame, but to die is to be forever forgotten. For me to live is power, but to die is to lose it all. 
Can you truly say, as Paul said, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain? See, even in the midst of our crisis, our goal should be the result that Paul experienced. Jesus was magnified. What about your life today? What about your life? What are the chains, the critics, the crisis? What are they bringing out in you? Paul says, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. I want Jesus to be magnified. Would you bow your heads with me, God? I pray right now for your people. Lord, would you help us? This is going to take some work. Any one of these tools, chains, critics, crisis, any one of them, really seem to hold us back. Lord, would you help us to have the mind, the attitude, the response that Paul had? Lord, that our heart's desire is that you would be magnified. That you would be made known. Lord, speak to us right now. Church, with your heads bowed, your eyes closed. I want to ask you two questions. most important question you will ever be asked is this do you have a relationship with jesus christ have you asked him to come into your life have you given yourself to him see the bible says that we all need a savior without him we have no hope without him we have no future jesus came died on the cross because he loves every single one of us. He loves you. Despite what your past has been, despite the choices you've made, he loves you. Pastor, you don't know what I've been through. It doesn't matter whether I know what you've been through or not. God already does and he still loves you. He said he desires that none would perish. None would die without a relationship with Jesus. But all would come to that point, that place of repentance. What does that mean? Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, I give my life to you. I turn away from the old life and I turn to you. That's what he desires. If that's you today, you're in the house and you want to give your life to Jesus, I want to pray with you. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Let me pray with you this morning. All across the house. If you're watching online this morning, if that is you, I want to encourage you, message into us. Let us pray with you. Let us introduce you to Jesus Christ. Are there any in the house today? The second question is this. 
What are your chains bringing out in you? What are your critics bringing out in you? What are your crises? What's it bringing out in you? Maybe you're here and you say, Pastor, I, I want to magnify Jesus more than I ever have. I need to make a change. If that's you, would you raise your hand this morning? Would you let me pray with you? Let me pray all across the house. Lord, right now. Lord, I know that you're speaking into hearts. Lord, I know that you're challenging lives right now. Lord, there are those of them, there's those of us in the room right now, God, that we're sensing that stirring of your spirits, that nudging of you. And Lord, I pray that you will help us. Lord, despite the chains that we're in, despite the crisis that we face, despite the criticism that we experience, Lord, help us to rise to the occasion. Lord, to grab a hold of what you have in store. Lord, to make you known by the life that we live, by the words that we say, by the choices that we make Lord strengthen your people right now every man, woman, boy and girl regardless of age Lord begin to stir in our hearts Lord help us Lord help us to be who you've called us representative for you that will boldly speak the good news. We love you, Jesus. We give you praise, glory, and honor. In Jesus' name.